Welcome to the LSI Behind the Wind podcast. I'm Sean Slatter. For 30 years, I've dedicated my life to the science of business development. I've seen the impact of our work, which has evolved into economic development and now social impact. Today, I'm excited to be joined by James Taylor. And James has been a longtime executive with LSI. I look at James as one of the leading subject matter experts on supply chain, and he's got a very unique perspective on business development. And there's a lot that I'm excited to explore with James during this episode. James, thanks for joining me. And just to start, would you? talk a little about your background and and some of your career history. Yeah, sure. Sean, thanks for having me. Happy to be aboard. I came to LSI in 2009. Prior to that, I was working in sales and in real estate investing as well. And in 2008, real estate investing didn't go so well. Right? So it kind of triggered me to go back to school and pursue my education in supply chain management, which had just recently changed from logistics into the the term that's now supply chain management, which had always interested me. I'd always had a deep fascination with it. So I went back, pursued my education, and then upon graduation, found that LSI had an opportunity to come in as an operations manager on the landing gear and prime vendor contract. I came in and, and started my career with LSI, which has been a fantastic opportunity for me. I've had a, a great depth of experience working with our government customers in managing this supply chain for landing gear parts and spares. I've had opportunities to work with numerous clients for LSI as a subject matter expert, as uh, an engagement lead, as in program management aspects. I've, I've been very fortunate to come into LSI in multiple roles, as you know, and just gain a world of experience and have some incredible experiences of my own. So uh, James, your humility is always at the forefront when we talk. So James, you're also on the faculty with Weber State University and their logistics department and really has become, you've become this leading expert in government contracting, specifically supply chain logistics and some other niche disciplines that we're going to talk about. So maybe talk for a minute about your role at Weber State University and some of your opportunities that you've had to consult in contracting supply chain and source development and other disciplines of business development. Sure. So Weber State came to LSI quite a few years ago and they'd had a a, kind of a revamping of their supply chain program, really taking their supply chain education to the next level. And and they came to us and sat down with us and wanted to do a case study for use in one of their purchasing programs. So I worked with the leadership over that department in working on this case project. And, And as I was doing that, the director of the program there expressed interest in increasing LSI's involvement with the supply chain. And that went from doing a case study to LSI being invited to participate on the the Weber State's Council of Supply Chain Management Professionals Board, which I've served on from its starting to through today and still part of that board, to that director saying, you know, with your experience and the things that you've done in your organization does, I think that you'd be perfect person to come in and teach our strategic sourcing and support for supply chain management course. So I did, in fact, go in and start working that process. Part of doing that was finishing out my master's degree. They wanted to have a master's degree to finish that. So I finished out my master's degree at Weber State and then concurrently to that worked through my PMP certification, my graduate certificate in aerospace project management and and enough credentials to add educational check marks behind my name along with the experience that I have at LSI. And it really, it's opened up a lot of opportunities for me, not just working with the students there, but the interaction that that kind of spoke to from a consulting side, from helping people through supply chain issues, everything from people that associate with Weaver State to clients of our own. So I've had some 
really cool opportunities to work through some significant strategic issues with our clients, with our supply chain partners, with the people that support us to where we've, we've been able to, to really make some, some groundbreaking changes on multiple programs with multiple vendors, everything from this educational aspect all the way up through operational practices with businesses we work with every day. And most people may not know this, but Weber State University is one of the leading centers of excellence around supply chain and has a long time partnership with the U.S. Air Force. And so for you to be on that faculty and be recognized by Weber State as a leader in this field is is remarkable and exciting for us as well. So James, we're going to bookmark that. I've got a lot of questions for you on your role at Weber State, but as you know, we're celebrating our 50-year anniversary this year. The genesis of our company really is a supply chain, what we used to call logistics. And the L, the L as you know, in LSI was logistics. And over the years after I had acquired the company, and still today, people will say, do you still pursue logistics and is and what kind of logistics are you into? I mean, you see this a lot and and so do I. I think what what's interesting is you have become the custodian of that business unit that was the company at one time, the what we call today supply chain, previously logistics, really you have inherited that. <laughs> that business unit and have done some amazing work in this logistics business unit, which we're going to talk about, including running some of our largest programs. We, we've had a lot of incredible supply chain, logistic and consulting engagements over the years. You have, because of your background and expertise, have taken on those programs, including this large $1.5 billion contract that you recently inherit, you inherited it a long time ago and recently brought it to close. I, I mean, I think you're still working a few loose ends on that contract, but uh, I mean, all, for over a decade, you have led that program and now working, leading other some other exciting initiatives as well that we'll talk about. So, like I said, as we're celebrating this 50-year anniversary and that the legacy of LSI really was in this business, talk about how you have seen the evolution of supply chain and how you work supply chain still today in business development. Sure. Uh, evolution is a great word for this term to, to associate with supply chain and, e- and even these mixture of terms with logistics involved in the L and LSI or supply chain, or what is it and how has this evolved? And I come from a family of supply chain. Multiple members of my family have been through the the Weber State program that you recognized. And it's a a passion we've all shared. And it started out a long time ago and it was logistics. And this evolution that's happened that the government viewed as logistics, that then the commercial sector saw the importance, started to take this stuff on and evolved from more of a more of just a managing the flow of goods to point A to point B type of thing to the management of end-to-end relationships from the point of the, the pulling of raw materials out of the earth to the end product that's delivered on whoever the consumer's doorstep is. And we've seen a lot of this evolution happen in our business model, and it's given us the, the ability to do some business development because we've kind of been on the forefront of that. You referenced the, the landing gear program that we're at the end of closing out. And if we think about this project and where supply chain was as an expertise over a decade ago when it started, when this contract started, for LSI to have come into this as someone who doesn't manufacture the landing gear material, this is truly supply chain management. This is the essence. If, if someone wants to really understand a definition of it, well, here it is. We've got customers really on both sides of us, on our supply side and on our delivery side, a customer in the government who has the need for a critical part to deliver 
And then this massive supply chain of partners that need to get this thing from a material stage to a final product delivered. And we're here managing these efficiencies and controlling the supply chain in the central piece to make all of those functions happen. The expertise that we were able to gain going through that, it was really paramount. And the governments recognized that, right? We received multiple perfect CPARs on this. They gave us the DLA Innovative Small Business Performance uh, Performer of the Year Award for the initiatives that we had on this program, even things like the Nucleus Research ROI Award for performance, incredible achievements in reducing cost to the government, improving delivery times, improving quality perspectives. So it's really taken something that came in as a profession of focusing on the shipment and the transportation and the flow of goods to really understanding this art of managing end-to-end relationships. And as this evolution, as you put it, has taken place, we've been so central involved in it. And we've been really on the forefront of a lot of these changes as they were happening and developing these processes. It's given us a unique expertise, as you pointed out, on the business development side and how critical this is in helping people grow. Even now, at a point when supply chain has become such a, a, a catch phrase from all of the issues that were associated with this, uh, the COVID pandemic, everyone now knows this supply chain term to some degree that didn't know it before, but still the investment in supply chain, especially in the manufacturing side, is unusually low in the expertise. And part of that is because a lot of people would say, I'm not going to win a government contract because I have a great supply chain expert. I'm going to win it because I have the material, because I have the machinery, because I have the delivery capabilities, because I have the machinist. Well, it's not really true anymore. This supply chain expertise is so big that this evolution and being able to engage on this business development side from our expertise, helping our clients understand this, focus on this expertise, grow the expertise. It presents a really cool opportunity to help the partners of our organization take things to the next level and and really not just survive, but thrive in these more challenging times. I love that. One of the things that you and your team did so well was you were so innovative and you were always looking for solutions. I Somebody asked me the other day, where did this the LSI tagline of solution development come from, a lot of it came from your programs because we were looking for a lot of different ideas and innovation to make this work and be successful. One of those innovative ideas that you had was you had this large source pool that uh, you were working against and you kept saying, if we could get these companies to come into this program, that they're doing really great work in other areas and they've got this fear of working with the government. And I, you, you saw that firsthand. You were on the front lines of this. You worked with Fortune 500 companies. You worked with small companies that were 20 people. And oftentimes you would hear these myths. And we we see this every day, that there's no margin in working with the government. It's too difficult. You know, it's too hard to understand all of the federal acquisition regulations. And, and this contracting piece is just, it's impossible. And you took a lot of these companies who had never done business with the government and taught them how to do this business development, right? So you want to address those myths. I hear this from, like I said, Fortune 500 companies. I hear it from startups. I hear it from small and medium-sized businesses. They have these myths that there's no margin in it. It's too difficult. And the contracting is horrendous. Yeah, definitely common themes. You hit that spot on. These are very common themes. And and I think a, a key point to make is the differentiation between challenging and 
too hard or too challenging. Hard versus too hard. Is it easy? Of course not. But getting into any business isn't easy. If it were easy, everyone would do it. But impossible or too hard or not rewarding enough, yeah, that's definitely not the case. Are the federal acquisition regulations complicated? Certainly. It's, it's a very large document and many people attribute it to its own language, speaking it. But can you learn it? Certainly. The margins, are there low margins in some things? Well, sure, but that's true of every industry. Are the margins so low that you can't survive? No, there's organizations that thrive on this. When you think about companies that are doing work for the government and not even talking about our time in it, but look at companies like Northrop. Well, they seem to be doing okay. They're not struggling. There is, there is profit to be made. There's money to be made. There, the government as an organization purchasing from people wants their supply chains to succeed. And they understand that part of that need to succeed are things like profitability, are things like helping their suppliers work with the contracting side, work with these, um, with these different industries, become these myths of this giant challenge. Have I had different runs of challenging experiences with the contracting and purchasing side of, of the Department of Defense? Sure. But I've also met some of the most incredible people that I've ever worked with in the form of wanting you to succeed and trying to help you understand how to and and facilitate and, and foster the growth with you and help you work through these challenges. So yes, there are challenges. Yes, there are difficulties. But most of what you hear, you put it perfectly, are myths. Most of this stuff that has passed from one person to another person that scares people out of supporting the warfighter, of supporting these federal customers who really become such great partners in the business environment and that over time you can find there's a strong preference to working with those over some of the commercial sectors. Once you get past these myths and once you get past understanding them, which is, boy, is that a great opportunity? Uh, it's been such a great opportunity for LSI to help our clients understand that and understand how to navigate that and then see them go off on their own. Some of my happiest moments or, or what I look at as some of the greatest personal success at LSI are seeing some of these small companies that you've referenced, some of these really small shops who never heard of, didn't, were scared of it, didn't understand it, didn't know how to do it, and then came in. Now it's their whole focus. They're on their own. They're off and running. They're fully capable of executing them themselves. They don't need us anymore. And seeing that kind of, that moving through these myths into a successful operation, boy, it's really cool. It's, it's pretty cool to see what's happened for a lot of these people. Well, you and your team have been exceptional at having that empathy and, and understanding and working with large and small companies, helping them with this concept of capture and proposal and, and then execution, the all three elements of the life cycle. And you have created these entities that are remarkable. I want to go back to one of the things that you said. You said something that I think was so important that you've met a lot of incredible individuals who work for the government on in all of these various agencies and inside the agency itself, inside of DCMA and DCAA. And I often see within our client base, this almost adversarial relationship that or perceived adversarial relationship. And it's just not the case. So often companies come in and have this defensive approach to working uh, with a government customer. And in reality, all of the people that we interface with, they want to see the same outcome. They really see this as a partnership. They want to see their suppliers and the entire supply chain, not just the entity that they're contracting with, but the entire supply chain be successful and that they really see that this is a partnership with a common focus and outcome. And yet so often we see these organizations, our, many of whom are our clients, come into 
these discussions with this adversarial relationship. And so I appreciate you talking about that. Uh, I don't, anything else you want to say about working with the government? Yeah, Sean, you're emphasizing a really important point that is a message that'd be so valuable for people to understand. Because I've seen that so much myself too, this immediately come in, arms crossed, fists clenched, you're in this room to drive me into bankruptcy and to punish me, punish me, punish me. And I'm in here to fight against you and squeeze everything I can out. And I'm going to be lucky if I leave here alive. That's never what these are like. Those are not the people we work with on a day-to-day basis. These are people who deeply and passionately care about the warfighter and what's best for the warfighter. These are people who live that mantra, who live with that belief so deep to their core. And if you come into the room knowing and understanding and accepting that you really don't have differing objectives, they have an objective of supporting the warfighter. We have the objective of also that same thing, supporting the warfighter. And it's not an adversarial relationship of two people working against each other for opposing goals. This is a team that can work together to help each other achieve the goal. And yeah, okay, maybe many, many years ago, it wasn't quite that same level of partnership, but things are absolutely that way now. So that's a great point to bring up. And if we can help people understand that, that's the first step. That's really the first step in in finding a way to succeed in this is understanding how much everybody has the same objective and that we really are partners in this business. Absolutely. A lot of your expertise and background has been aerospace and defense. You're working a new engagement that we're going to talk about in a minute that I think is so interesting. But this is also, we see this in the FedCiv organizations as well. You've had a lot of interface in organizations like Department of Commerce and Department of Energy and Department of Homeland Security, that there's a similar ethos that exists with all of these organizations, not just the Department of Defense. It really is this common theme that we see. There are amazing civil servants that want to see great things happen for their organization. Yeah, it's very, very true. It's This is not exclusive to Department of Defense engagements. It's, it's very true with, with all of the organizations you've talked about and so many others. So there needs to be a, a greater shift in, in the way of thinking throughout the supply chain to understand that people are coming into it this way. And I, and I really think that it's changing now. It's made a lot of changes in the past, but this can go so much deeper if that message really gets out there and people really start to understand how important partnership is, how important it is to understand that we're all working for the same objective and the same goals. And that when we work together, we get so much farther than when we're pushing against each other. I want to shift to another topic in just a second, but one of your superpowers and unique talent is that you are really good at this discipline of source development. You've had to be, you know, for the last 10 years, so much of what you have focused on has been around source development. I really think that this is is a discipline that there's not a lot of people that have that skills and the, the talents that you have. You can just, you have a feel for, yes, this organization is going to be successful and this is how we're going to make that happen and facilitate that. This science of source development. And you've you've been very successful even working a lot of the source development proposals, what we call SARS over the years. You're you're known throughout the industry as really a subject matter expert on technical proposals, SAR development and source source development in general. You want to talk about that for a minute because I think it's a this unique talent that you and some of the members of your team have that is really unique to this business? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Sean. I appreciate the complimentary address there on that. It is unique. It is a unique process, and it's something that's overlooked on many fronts. We have 
the SAR process, the source approval request process you've talked about that, is, that can often be an initial entry into an individual part or a very technical aspect of proving your, your merit, your ability to accomplish something to the deeper statement of, of developing sources and helping sources grow and thrive in the industry. And I think that, that the deeper look at that is what differentiates not just me, but, the, but LSI and our team. The, the people that we work with and, and the people that I've been so fortunate to work with during my career here. And it's this look of that the way that we succeed is by our partner organizations, by our supply chain growing and succeeding. It's so much more efficient to develop sources we already have than try and find new sources. And if you go into this, this source development process with that outlook very first. It may seem really difficult, but I promise in the long run, it's a lot easier to grow with your supply chain than try to start a new one altogether, right? It gives you a perspective that's a little bit different and, and ties back to what we were talking about before, this partnership perspective of working together to push this needle forward. And a really important aspect of that is understanding how to learn and focus on the strengths of the organizations that that you're supporting and that you're working with. Not everyone is great at everything and they're not supposed to be. And if we try to treat people like that, that's really sets us up for failure, but really honing in on these organizations and on these individuals, particular strengths, helping them foster those, grow those, find the area to focus those and put those in gives you an almost seamless flow and a natural flow to help develop these sources rather than fighting this process by trying to turn organizations or people or groups into something that they were never meant to be and that they don't fit. I think at at a really high level is one of the reasons that the team here is so successful at doing that. And then yes, absolutely the technical side. You have to understand the source approval request process if you're going to get approved on parts. You have to be able to tell that story and to be able to let others know the story of what your capabilities are and, and how to push those things forward. And, and I think our, our team has really honed in some unique expertise to be able to do that. I absolutely agree, James. And like I said, you are so talented in It doesn't matter if the entity is a Fortune 500 company or if it's a, you know, 50-person organization. You a few weeks ago, you and I, you said, "Hey, let's go look at this company." And you and I did a field trip together, and we went in there. and And I love that you have this ability to see the potential of this small company that we visited and how they fit into this broad vision. So we're going to explore some of that in just a minute. And, you know, it's, it is unique. It's different working with a large company like a a Lockheed Martin versus a small or medium-sized company. And I think what you and the team have done well is you've created a framework that you can work with these large businesses and with small and medium-sized businesses and help them be successful. Even if they've never done work with the federal government before, your tools and templates and and just and guidance and encouragement is incredible. It's been remarkable. So this evolution that we talk about internally and often we we get asked about, well, yeah, I mean what how does supply chain relate to business development? And why do you continue to have this, hold on to this supply chain discipline? It's really evident that this is a big part of the business development process. And we understand it from a lot of different angles, including the supply chain piece. Okay, so let's transition for a minute. And I'm really excited about this as well. You remember, you you and I had conversations, uh, even when you first joined, there were a lot of federal, state and municipal entities that at that time that were approaching us saying, we're interested in business development. (laughs) And our focus had always been working with government contractors, with large and small businesses. And we had a lot of 
it really started with uh, these various state entities uh, across the country that would say, we want your business development expertise to come in and create jobs in a region or an industry or create jobs for demographics. And this was a really unique time. It was during the recession. It had started prior to that. We were working a lot of engagements even prior to the recession, but that interest in the development from a lot of the work and strategy around this started during the recession. And you and I had talked about some of these ideas that we had on creating vertical markets and creating a commodity supply chain and how that would relate into this concept of business development that has evolved into our economic development and social impact work that has become such an incredible part of our business. We're going to talk about this consortia that you have really been instrumental in developing in a minute. But I mean, do you remember any of those discussions, those early discussions that we had, you and I had, and that we had as a company as part of the overall strategy? Yeah, I do. Especially, especially our conversation. When I came into the company, we're on the, we're, we're 2009, right? So we're still in the throes of this stuff. When I first came in, we had our leadership development program and I was put into that program and you were specifically my mentor. And so it gave me the opportunity to have a lot of these conversations with you and really get into a lot of insight. And, and something that was so interesting about, about how this kind of evolved and, and how LSI and the strategies you were here were so on the forefront of it, business development, as you pointed out for organizations that was something people were doing. Sure, we were we were businesses as themselves were looking at at how do we improve our processes, how do we develop our businesses and create long term value for customers, markets, relationships. But to see these other organizations come in and start to say, how do we apply business development on the civic side? How do we apply business development to state organizations, to federal organizations? How do we do this? And that key in understanding. It's the general principle is no different. It's still about creating long-term value for customers, markets, relationships. It's still about this long-term value development. And you brought up how it ties into this, their focus on this growing jobs. Well, how else do you grow jobs besides in cre- creating that increased long-term value for customers and markets? By doing that, by the old that old saying of growing the pie, right? This old school focus of dividing up the pie, turning into this growing the pie and creating more and developing these markets, developing these cities, these communities on a grander scale. And it these discussions that we had were so early in the stages before terms like clusters were really into play. And we were talking about things like, what does it really mean when someone says the whole is greater than the sum of the parts? Everybody says that term. We think we understand it, but why aren't we thinking about this from all of these small businesses, all of these little places within these communities that are working separately right now? Why aren't these people finding a way to integrate, to work together, to harness each other's strengths to grow this pie? And we're seeing more and more of that. And the, the conversations we had, it really, it was a, a big shift in my way of thinking as well as this stuff was developing. And now there's not many terms I hear more than cluster development or clusters. Every, clusters is as much of a catchphrase as supply chain management is right now. And it's stuff that we were talking about and strategizing on 10, 11, 12 years ago. Absolutely. And then this concept of creating ecosystems. I, um, you know, a lot of my history was in the sciences and biology and early education was in in biology and and taking that concept of this concept of an ecosystem and developing it has that catchphrase that I think we coined that and it's really there's a lot of uh, organizations using ecosystem cluster these vertical paths One of the things that I think was so interesting about 
this evolution of our company's history was I had this opportunity to meet with this governor and she, I had this conversation. I was sort of nervous going in and sitting down with her and she's the governor of a, a large state and a somewhat of a celebrity. And, you know, and I had met with a lot of, and had done presentations with a lot of CEOs and in the business world that I came from. So having this meeting with the governor, very well-known governor, and she was, she had her staff do this pre-meeting and everybody that went into this meeting, so they were sort of looking at each other. Okay, well, so we go in there and then I hear her talking about, we're interested in the LSI business development methodology. And I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm, tr- I'm trying to connect the dots on this. And then she, and th- this is what did it for me. She said, we have a budget deficit. And then she said, we have a budget deficit because we have a revenue deficit. Wow. Those are the kinds of things that I hear from the CEOs and CFOs and the business development executives who are our clients who will say, we, you know, we have a budget deficit. We have that's tied to a revenue deficit. We need business development. And I started linking, wow, the LSI methodology that at, by that time was now 30 plus years old, we could apply this to a federal, state, or municipal entity, just like we worked with Lockheed. Well, and even to, to take that one step further, she said, we have a $2 billion budget deficit. We've got to create revenue. We've got to create $2 billion of revenue. How many times have we heard that from our clients in the last 30 years? We need to create $2 billion of revenue. Wow. So then once, is, once I had that foundation, we started building around that. And we started taking those concepts into this idea of we'll create revenue, we'll create revenue through our business development by our capture, proposal, program execution. We'll create these vertical markets in manufacturing, in IT, in you know, cybersecurity, in energy, in, you know, we've gone wide and deep in, in these vertical markets. We'll create jobs and revenue in a geographic area. We'll create jobs in a demographic vertical. So that was really the the genesis of a lot of this. And then, you know, I came to you as you were winding down this incredible program over 10 years and said, I've got this idea for you. What do you think? And you, like you always do, you took it on. So let's talk about this for a minute. This new it's not new to the company, but relatively new for you in the last few years as the engagement lead and strategist behind this engagement really took what I loved about what you've done with this engagement, James, is you took that strategy that we talked about all those years ago and started pulling this together. You started pulling in supply chain. You started pulling in how about we create these vertical markets, these geographic markets, this focus on demographic. So start talking about that because I think it it really has become the benchmark, not just in our company for this type of work, but for the industry. Yeah, that this the engagement's exciting and it's been really it exciting. It was a pretty on one hand, it was a big shift from what I was doing before from my primary focus work on the landing landing gear side. But then on the other hand, there were so many similarities that I was able to bring in things to help do some of the things we were already doing. And when we first, we've been in this engagement since the organization started, right? And we're part of that starting it. And even then, the the people within the organization are amazing there, of course. And the things that they're doing are are incredible. I'm very fortunate to spend the time that I do with them. But this concept was kind of the same thing. And the, the ecosystem term that you use is spot on to what's central behind this, this thought of, if we look at this as an ecosystem and organizing 
these small businesses, these groups within an area to come together and work for their common goal and foster their strength, work to push these things forward. And that was, that's really what this engagement is built around. And a lot of that was still the same with some of the things I learned before, helping these markets develop, helping these areas develop. And then we were able to apply some of these concepts that, that you talked about, some of this stuff of working to grow revenue for communities, not just for organizations, for, exactly. for entire ecosystems that foster this job growth that lead to more individuals coming into communities, more taxes coming through communities, more revenue coming through communities, and all these things can foster this job growth. And it gave us a distinct set of expertise to uh, apply to this function. Now, even to the point where it came out, it started to look at, okay, and organizations, specifically the Small Business Administration said, all right, we're ready to contract. We're ready to contract with people to do this work. And LSI as an organization went through this engagement we have and said, let's do this. This is an opportunity. We're already doing this ecosystem slash cluster work. Well, now the Small Business Administration is starting to hone in on how critical this stuff is. So let's go after it together. Let's really go after it together. And we did. And this has been a, a key contract in this engagement Absolutely. for us to work with the Small Business Administration to help these smaller shops within the community become part of this vertical market, part of this ecosystem and grow together which has led to significantly increased job numbers, greater revenue coming in, expertise and capabilities growing substantially. And now this program with the Small Business Administration is all over the country, it is. right? And it's, and it's a bit of a benchmark. So the things we've been able to do with that organization, it sharply different from the things that I were my primary focus before in the landing gear side and, and under that contract, but still some similarities. And it's just, again, been an incredible thing. And as much as any part of it that really feeds my um, excitement and the reason I speak with this passion about it are the organizations we work with. Just as much as it was this passion for the organizations we work with on the one side, the, the organizations involved in this engagement are so incredible. And they're such great people that I'm just, I'm honored to be part of the team and any value I can add to that team, I, I feel lucky to do it. Well, and I love how this concept started really slow. It was, I wouldn't even call it a consortium. It wasn't a consortium at the time. It was four companies that we brought together. And yeah. I mean, there was a, some Fortune 500 companies in, there was a Fortune 500 company and there were a lot of, you know, a, there was a medium-sized company and a small company. And look what has happened from that, idea, that concept, it went from four companies coming together saying, yeah, there's something here to then 400 companies. And now what is the, the consortium? It's 4,000. I don't know. It's, I've heard up to 6,000, maybe it's even more. Yeah, depending on how you slice the numbers, it's it's a big organization. It it's is. a big consortium. It's a big <laughs> ecosystem. What it is, and it's everything from we're going to bring in raw materials to shipping and packaging and inspection and paint and everything in between. It is really it's it's exciting, and you you and the team have been so creative in saying let's bring in. We're, we're going to look at regions. We're going to look at the geography. We're going to look at Department of Defense. We're going to look at Department of Energy, Department of Transportation, Health and Human Services. Every Fed Civ organization that is just is it's remarkable. And then now the demographic piece of it. The you mentioned the small business focus and the work that you're doing through. Department of Commerce and the SBA under this uh, regional innovation cluster concept around real demographic workforce development even. I, we're trying to quantify what this looks like. And it's, I, I don't know, it's $5 billion more. It's a, it's a huge number. 
Yeah, it is a huge number. And I, I don't, I'm not sure how, how you even narrowly quantify it because the opportunities, just I our mean, work, just yeah, our work, just ours. It's, I mean, the opportunities are, they're massive. They're massive. I, I don't want to go too extreme and say something like infinite, but it's almost hard not to, because it's, this is, this is one really of where do you want to take it? How far and do you want to go? And it's really, a, it started out four companies coming together that we, we facilitated, we brought them together expanded exponentially to thousands of companies in this consortium around a vertical market that has really gone deep and narrow in some cases where we're pulling in real niche discipline. And your ability to think like that strategically on we're going to bring in a Fortune 500 company that's going to contribute. We're going to bring in a 20-employee shop that is going to contribute. That, that's what, when I said you've got this superpower of source development, that is it. It is just, you've got this ability to think strategically about this is what the supply chain looks like. Well, thank you for saying that, Sean. I, I, I appreciate that compliment, and I'm, I'm fortunate to work with a team that inspires that way of thinking, right? From internally to our external clients, to our partners, it's an easily fostered capability. We'll say that. So, and an exciting concept for me to see this just grow from a, a, a concept that we had all those years ago to what it's become and, and that we've replicated it and that we've used your strategy tools and templates to benefit other industries other communities specific demographics it really is the benchmark and and i'm really excited about it i thought we were going to have some time to talk about your ideas and opinions on supply chain in general we're going to do this under another recording if that's okay sure because there's a lot that I, I've got a lot of questions for you just around supply chain in general, around how you see COVID, what's happened in the last 18 months, almost now two years, impacting supply chain in general. And I know that you study this and that this is, that you're really an expert on that. So we'll do this another time. But I said I wanted to bookmark your work with the university, and I know that you're an instructor with the university. Tell us what you see from this kids, and and maybe I shouldn't say kids, the, the students that you interface with at Weber State. Tell us what you're seeing from these kids going through your programs. Sure. And yeah, it's I, your, your hesitation in the word kids is appropriate because Weber State has such an incredible, uh, incredibly unique student body. Some, yes, fall into that kids category and some are coming in for a third career, right? So all gamut, the, the range. But what is really cool is as Weber State has increased their focus and you were spot on when you said they were one of the first, I mean, it was when my parent went to the program, it was on Hill Air Force Base under logistics only and taught out of the old buildings there with Weber State. And it went from logistics to logistics operations management and now into this evolution of supply chain management. And the program has been around for a long time. It's a strong expertise. And now we've entered this time where supply chain as a profession and as an expertise is in a more heightened focus than it's ever been for the whole things you brought up, which we'll talk about next time we get together on this subject of all of this COVID interaction. And so what it's done is it's brought this industry-wide focus and these students that come in who say, okay, before I'd go through the business catalog and I'd go, okay, I know what accounting is. I know what business management is. I know marketing, supply chain, management, I don't even know what that is. And they brush over and all they heard is, this is the really difficult part of the business school that I don't want to be part of. This is too much work. So I'm going to go do something else. Well, now you have this increased passion coming into it. 
the course that I teach, it's not the intro. It's, it's the, it's the start of the advanced, the, the upper level courses. And when these students come into it over the years that I've been in the program, I've seen a sharp change in enthusiasm, which leads to a sharper change in the development of the students from the start of the program to the end of the program. I mean, last year, the, the Weaver State supply chain case team that goes out to these case competitions and, and competes with the top universities in the country, the Tennessees, the Michigans, all those, they took home the first place trophy. I mean, that's something significant for these students to do. It's, this is a big deal. This is cool stuff they're doing. We're as a state and as an organization, Weber State University, sending out some of the most highly capable sought after individuals in this profession, in the nation. And it's, it's an honor to be a part of it. So that, that some, a lot of the time that I have to put into this, uh, Sean, you specifically carve that time out because of how much you see the value in this. So I, I appreciate that for sure. It's, it's a big thing that we're doing. We're helping something that is so important and so cool to see and uh, where these students are going and the things that they're doing and the stories they tell a couple years later, it's pretty phenomenal. It's pretty phenomenal to see what they're doing in this program. I love that. And you may or may not know this, LSI was part of the original foundation of the logistics and then supply chain program in concert with the U.S. Air Force at Weber State. And so for you to, I just, I, I think it's, uh, amazing that you have become the custodian of not just the LSI legacy around supply chain, which is not, it's so vastly different than it was 50 years ago, but also continuing to represent LSI in the supply chain and the logistics program at Weber State. It's really, it's incredible. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. It's, it's an honor to say the least. This has been a lot of fun and we we've got a lot left to cover. So we'll, we'll do some more of these. I really appreciate you. I know you're so busy and I appreciate you spending a few minutes with our team and with me that doing this uh, discussion, because I think it is so relevant for the industry, our industry, for a lot of the various ecosystems out there, federal, state, municipal, and, and the commercial side as well. So we just scratched the surface on a lot of this and you were amazing. So thank you for this. And uh, everyone, thank you. If you have an interest in LSI in this episode, in what we're doing, you can connect with us through the episode notes. Just click on the social at lsiwins.com and someone from our team will get back to you quickly. Thanks again, James, and thanks for everyone putting this together. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate the opportunity. 